Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes and sometimes a little bit longer. I'm Becky McIntosh and sitting next to me is my handsome, charming, and sometimes funny husband, Scott. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Today is episode 85 and it is an extra special episode for us because our special guest is our oldest son, Tosh. Tosh McIntosh, and yes, that is his real given name. I've got crazy parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and another reason this is a special episode for us is because we are going to take a little short break from podcasting. So we wanted someone really, really special for this episode, and there was no one more special we could think of than our son, Tosh, and to hear his some of his amazing stories. We're taking a little break so I can focus on finishing my book, I've been writing a book for the parents of LGBTQ children, and my deadline is rapidly approaching, and I'm only halfway through my manuscript, so I need to really focus on that, and then we'll be right back to podcasting. We have a, a big, long list of guests that we wanna, want to bring on. So maybe people can go back, uh, uh, maybe we should mention that people can go back and listen to some of the podcasts that they have not heard, because we've done 85 episodes, so there might be a few that you haven't heard, and even if you have heard, go back and listen to your favorites. I, I find myself doing that as well when I'm going on road trips and, and listen to some of my favorite, uh, favorite times, there's some awesome people. Yep. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest before we jump into this interview. So like I said, it's our son, Tosh McIntosh. He was born the day after our first wedding anniversary. Big difference in the day after the wedding. The day after the <laughs> wedding yeah, anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big difference. He was born two weeks after our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's a lot like his dad. He loves to talk. He is a sports fanatic. He loves all sports. And in high school, he played football and wrestled. He was a Utah State champion wrestler at 160 pounds. Skinnier then. <laughs> and assisted his high school football team to the state championship. He is currently the co-host of a popular sports podcast called CougarCast. You've been podcasting for a lot of years. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny you guys got into it. <laughs> <laughs> you were like five years ahead of us. Yep. <laughs> and Tosh graduated from BYU in economics and he is the regional manager of Active Pest Control. He is a people person and has a gift for bringing out the best in people. He is married and has three adorable children, two sons and a daughter. His oldest son just turned seven yesterday. So Tosh, we're thrilled to have you as a guest on our show. So welcome. Yeah, no, excited. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, like you said, I like to talk, so put a mic in front of me. No, but, no I, this should be fun. Yeah, you and your dad could go on for hours. <laughs> Nobody would listen to us. Okay, first I have two questions. What was it like growing up with the name Tosh McIntosh? And what was it like being the oldest of seven children? 
Well, I mean, I never experienced anything different than either of those. And so, but I, I always liked being Tosh McIntosh. I always thought I liked the name Tosh. I liked that it was unique. Um, I mean, you guys probably remember the one funny story there where <laughs> I, uh, I came home in second grade because you guys were a little, I mean, that was a risk that you guys took a name in your first kid, Tosh McIntosh. It was all your dad. <laughs> I just said, just give me one. Just let me name my one child. You can name the rest. And then, uh, yeah, I came home from second grade and said, I don't like my name. I want to change my name. And I remember my mom had this worried look on her face like, oh, no, we thought this day might come. And, but she said, I think Tosh is a great name. And I looked at her confused and I said, yeah, I like the name Tosh. I want to change the name Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> Because my, my teacher, it makes me laugh now, Macintosh is not a hard name, but she kept calling me McIntyre, and that was bugging me as a second grader. But no, I, I like being Tosh McIntosh. I mean, I named, my, I named one of my sons Mac, so I got a Mac Macintosh, so the, the craziness continues. And, and then growing up as the oldest of seven, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of fighting and a lot of fun, but... Uh, <laughs> Where I realized I'm different than most because of it is when I went to college, when I would go and study, I went to BYU and in, in the library when I would go and study, most of the library, the quietness was like unnerving to me. And I had such a hard time studying <laughs> so that I found there's a part of the BYU library where they allow people to talk and be loud. And that was my that was my place, like studying with noise, because growing up as the oldest of seven, my mind never got used to be having quietness. <laughs> like, it, we got a, it was the noise, there was a lot of fun, always something going on, always somebody doing something that they shouldn't, and just a lot of fun. But nobody could say Tosh without saying Tosh Macintosh. They loved to hear this ring. They only had together. a... They told your name once, and they always remember you. And you named your son Mac, like you mentioned, and one of your best friends named his son Chet Turchetta. Yep. Because he thought it was kind of cool. And there's another friend named his son Tosh, so other people so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, other people like the name, but yeah. You've always been someone to set high goals, and I know you wanted to be a state champion wrestler, so... You you joined a private wrestling club, and at 4.30 in the morning, we'd get up and, and take you to, to wrestling at this private club, clear like two towns over, and then you would go to high school, and then, then you'd practice for a couple of hours after school with the team, but, but you were able to, to meet your goals that way, but you worked hard. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think what's funny, you guys deserve as much credit on the sacrifice on that. It was dad or you waking up every really early multiple times a week. And what what I'm grateful for there is I think you guys taught me that I should always be involved in something. I'm still amazed at how much stuff you guys are involved in. But that not only should you be involved in things, but that really to achieve anything takes a lot of hard work. There's no shortcuts and my, you guys really encouraging me and even pushing me in wrestling, I think really taught me that hard work is, is part of the equation to get anything of value. Another funny story that just keeps coming to my mind is when you were in first grade, we were, your teacher had suggested that we have you tested for an accelerated learning program. And, and so we, I took it as this several hours of testing. It was, you know, quite a lot for just a young kid. And um, when you got out of the, the testing center, I said, so how did it go? 
And you said, oh, it went really well. I answered a few questions wrong on purpose so they wouldn't think I knew everything. <laughs> but you yeah. did get into the program. <laughs> this, is, this is turning into a brag fest. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. i got to share my story because I remember him coming home as well. And, and math doesn't doesn't work for me somehow but my father was a mathematical genius absolutely loved um, solving problems and math stuff and and my boys have been the same way and I remember Tosh coming home at a very young age and just so upset because there if there's anything that nobody can ever take away from Tosh is it's his honesty he's always been so honest in life and uh, and this time this teacher accused him of cheating in, in in math, and it really frustrated him because he didn't have any of his equation written out on the on the table. He didn't have the problem and how he solved it written out in his on his papers, and and he so she assumed he cheated. And he said, "I can see it in my head," and my hats off to him for that because I I can't see any of that in my head. But uh, yeah, I got that, and that was so frustrating to him as a young boy. I remember that. Tosh, we asked you to be on our show today because you do have so many inspirational and faith-building stories that you could share, and we wish we had time to hear them all. We're hoping to get through through a couple of them. So one of them being you when you became a father for the first time. You know, you it wasn't as easy for you to get your children here as it as it was for your father and I. Yeah. No, I always, yeah, like, <laughs> it wasn't, that's for sure. So, I mean, being the oldest of seven kids, I always wanted a big family, and that was always kind of my mindset. That was a lot of fun. And so, But after I, I got married to my wife, Maggie, um, we never, like, we, we didn't wait very long at all before we started trying to have kids, but no kids were coming. And I remember, I mean, we were doing all the things that you do that, have make you have kids what, what are those things I mean, we, that's a, we can really dive into that if we want to spice this thing no. up but yeah it wasn't working you know i remember we, a couple years in with no birth control we we kind of had the talk of hey because i was looking up online and the odds i mean to go two years without getting pregnant uh really at that point you know you're breaking the odds and so you really so we went and saw a fertility doctor and he did a bunch of different tests to figure out on me on her and in the end um they did a test that i wish i remembered what the i used to know remember what it was called but it tests it's a test that it's it gives a score to the quality and to the quantity of the the woman's eggs and her score came back as the same sort of score that a, like a 43-year-old woman would have. And she was, you know, in her young 20s. And so that was a little disheartening. And the, I remember the fertility doctor talked to us that he really gave us around about less than a 1% chance of getting pregnant. But he did say, but there are some things. He's like, to be honest, if you were my kid... There are a couple things I would try. You know, it's going to be expensive. And we talked about things, and we, we definitely wanted to have kids. And we thought, you know, who cares if it's expensive? What, what better use for money than, than something like this? And so we decided to go for it. But that's – I'm sure a lot of listeners – there's a lot of people with fertility problems, so I'm sure a lot of people can relate or know someone, but that's such an emotional roller coaster that you get excited every month, it's kind of awkward, there's hormone stuff involved, and it's just really hard, and then each time when it doesn't work, 
Um, and we went months and months and months where that wasn't working. And then finally, we were so stoked when it did work, and she was pregnant, and, and then she miscarried. And, and that was, geez, talk about a blow. Um, but yeah, we kept after it and, and kept trying. We did more fertility treatments, and then it worked again. And we were excited, but a little nervous because of what happened last time. And, and a few weeks in, about the same time she miscarried before, I got home from work and she told me that she had miscarried. Um, but we went to the doctor and al although there was bleeding and things, it turned out that she hadn't miscarried, which that was great news. But at the same time, I mean, that whole pregnancy was a little nerve wracking. And, and I remember at about 29 and a half weeks, she started uh, what they call spotting, which is really just another nicer name for bleeding. And so we went to the hospital again, and they, uh, they did some ultrasounds on her. And the doctor came in and said, you know, everything looks fine. I think you guys should be good to go. You know, the baby, the baby looks like he's weighing, you know, right around two or three pounds. And Maggie perked right up on that, my wife, and said, well, because she was really into reading about her pregnancy. She had an app that was telling her, how far along the baby should be size-wise. And, and I remember her saying, well, shouldn't the baby be quite a bit bigger than this at this point? And the doctor said, yeah, you know, he should be a few pounds bigger than this. But, I mean, some babies are just smaller. But that didn't sit right with her um, because she's like 5'8". Um, I'm 6'1". And so she's just like, I don't know why we would have small babies. And so she kept asking the doctor, but he kept reassuring her. And I remember, I mean, she was changed back into her street clothes. We were walking out the door, basically. And she kept badgering this doctor, though. Like, I don't, it just seems right, right, weird that he's so small. And so he said, you know what, I'll, I'll go look at the ultrasound one more time. So he goes back and he looks at things. And then he comes back to us and says, all right. I, I'm glad you pushed me to do that because I'm looking at things closer. His head is, looks like it's measuring normal size where it should be, but his, his abdomen is measuring two weeks behind, and his legs and arms are measuring four weeks behind. And this is a, a symptom or a sign that he is get, not getting the nourishment in the womb that he needs, that he, his body, he's not getting, yeah, the nutrients that the placenta needs to be given him. And so his body's going in survival mode and it's giving these nutrients first to his brain and then to his organs and then his limbs last. And that's why we're seeing these differences. And so really now we have this balancing game that if he stays in there, he's going to die, but we need him to stay in there a few weeks longer. So his lungs will can develop because He's not ready to be born yet. So we're, you're going to need to stay in the hospital on bed rest, monitored, where we're going to monitor your baby 24-7 until the point that we think he's about to die. And then we'll take him out and hopefully his lungs are developed enough by then. Um, and so that was scary news. But at the same time, I was grateful for my wife for pushing this doctor to, to going back and look at the ultrasound. And so we, we were. We were in that hospital for, for two weeks with monitored all the time, listening to his heart rate, um, checking his movement. And, and I remember one day, two weeks in, me and my wife are playing cards. 
And we got so used to just hearing his heartbeat, ba bump, ba bump, ba bump, ba bump, ba bump, just always in the background. And we're playing cards, and all of a sudden his heart goes from ba bump, ba bump, ba bump to ba bump. Huge pause, ba bump. And alarms start going off. I mean, his heart is just stopping. And there's people running down the hallway. They run into the room. They cart Maggie into the uh, the surgery room. They do an ultrasound. I mean, not an ultrasound. They do a C-section. Heart starting to fail. They do a C-section, and, uh, and there's a baby out. Um, but sure enough, he was definitely underdeveloped. He, he weighed two and a half pounds when he was born. And... It is, he was cute and beautiful to me as a father, but if I'm going to be real, I mean, he was just tiny and didn't look like a baby, you know? Like, he looked like a little old man or like a little monkey. Uh, and he was... My hands are small, but he was, you know, could fit in my hands. And just... It, it was still a long go where he was in the, the NICU, so the, the baby intensive care... For, for two months. Um, and, and luckily, everything ended up fine. But along that whole fertility journey, along through that, uh, I mean, there were some really scary moments where it was very faith-promoting. It was very much drew me and my wife closer together. And, and what I'd also say is that it made me, I think, appreciate having kids more um another cool side story there is we battled a lot it's funny we talked names already but we battled a lot on what we were going to name our kids that my name as has been said is tosh mcintosh it's kind of harder to get a more unique or you could even say strange name than that where my wife's maiden name was margaret miller which I think it's hard. It's hard to get a more generic, or you know, some might even use the word "boring." I never would name than that. Uh, and so we both kind of like the names that we had. And so I liked unique names. She liked really classic names. And we had, but in the end, one of the names that I proposed it was kind of a middle ground because it was in the Bible because she wanted a real name. So if it's in the Bible, it's a real name, but that it was unique was the name Ezekiel. And we were, it was on the list, and we were still unsure of things, but then she found, she was looking at the definitions of some of these names we were deciding on, and the, the, the name Ezekiel means God will strengthen. And, and when he was born and was going through all the things he was going through, she decided, no, that's what we need to name him, because this is a kid that, that we really need God to strengthen. And that, that for sure has happened. That, as you mentioned, his, his seven-year-old birthday was, was yesterday, and he, he, he lives a very healthy, normal life. He excels in, in, in the things that he does. And, I mean, he's such just a great, spunky, athletic, fun kid, and God for sure has strengthened him. For sure. A very handsome, cute little guy. Energy, energy, <laughs> lots of <Yeah>. energy. <laughs> I just yeah. remember that that moment when you were telling that story. I just, I, it took me back to remember seeing him for the first time, and I, and I literally, our first grandchild was just born under very odd circumstances, and I thought, wow, what a way to start off this family of ours to the next generation by losing our first grandchild. I, I honestly did not know 
um, that he was going to make it. And I probably felt more confident that he wouldn't than he would. He, even though I'm a faithful person, he was so tiny. He, there were so many things against him uh, that he pulled through. He pulled through, and we do. We, te- you know, we, we attach that to our faith in God and, and how blessed we were to have him in our lives. A cool story I remember on that is that so as uh, one thing that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will do is that they'll give what they, we call blessings, where we'll put our hands on the person's head and, and say a blessing. Um, and, and I remember when he was in the NICU, you know, in an incubator, that it was the first time. And, and a special one is called the Father's Blessing, you know, where a father um, that, that has the priesthood can give his children a, a blessing using kind of that that power or God's power of the priesthood. And I remember putting my hands in that incubator. My dad was there and did it with me. And that his head was like smaller than a tennis ball. You know, so we're just putting our hands on this just tiny, delicate head. And I just remember, though it really, again, like I said, it was such a faith-promoting experience. I really felt the power of God through the whole experience and that I felt like, I I felt like he was going to live, but I just knew that I felt God's presence throughout. And so I thought it's going to be fine either way, um, that I'd be able to see him again and that I had a kid no matter what happened. Um... But that, yeah, I'm very, very grateful that it turned out the way that he did and that God did strengthen him. As a, as a parent, one of my greatest gifts is, is watching my children become parents and the, the love that you have for your children and the way that you're raising them with love and kindness and a lot of fun and, and crazy happenings just like in your home growing up. So, and and that, none of, it's fair to say that none of them do as good a job as their parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and that was the start. I mean, all my kids are they're, those real babies. miracle babies because after that one, I mean, we had fertility troubles with all of them, and it seemed like it got harder and harder to have kids. That, that was our only one that had such a dramatic birth story, uh, luckily. But the other ones, I mean, we had doctors that told us we weren't going to be able to have kids. The same fertility doctor that helped us have Ezekiel, he told us later on, hey, I don't feel like we should try anymore. That I, I would really feel like I'm just stealing your money because you're not going to be able to have kids and in, in, in vitro would be a waste of your money. But my wife, once she gets her mind on something, there is no taking it off. And so she found a different doctor that, that would do it. And so, okay, I'll take your money. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what, I mean, there was part of me thinking that, that. But at the same time, I didn't want to to be the guy that didn't try, especially with something as important as kids. And so, yeah, we, we other miracles happened, and we, we that worked with that kid, too. But the thing that I'm sensitive of, too, I remember when we couldn't have kids, and sometimes it would be frustrating to hear these stories of people who fertility treatments worked and it, why isn't it working for us? But at the same time, that, that is our story. And I'm, I'm grateful that in the end that we were able to have three kids. And it wasn't as many as I thought I was going to have. But I, I've got three beautiful kids and we're, we're grateful that God gave those to us. Absolutely. Can't yeah. stop that story. No, that's an amazing story. But it, we, and we're out of time. I can't believe how fast this goes. We need to tell one more story. We though. said or a we little said bit or longer. We said a little bit longer. Tosh, you need <laughs> to tell us the story of your trip to Oklahoma. You've got to tell us this story. <laughs> so, so what he, my, what I'm, my dad's referencing because he likes this story a lot. So 
when I was dating my wife, I convinced her to like me. But at the time, her parents were trying to do everything they could to have it, us not get married. Uh, if we had more time, I could go into some really good side stories. But You can go into that. <laughs> well, so, like, I mean, they're trying to set her up with different people. Where my feelings weren't hurt uh, is that they didn't really know me. They lived in Oklahoma. And although I met Maggie in Oklahoma when I was working out there for a few months, they didn't, I didn't really meet them. And then we both were at BYU and dating and, and things started to get serious. But that's even part of the story is that when she went to BYU, her dad is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he had heard that, hey, if you send your kids to this Mormon school, I always just get married. And he wanted, he wanted his daughter to get married when she was older like he did. And so when she, when she went there, he told her, hey, do not go there and just get married and then drop out of school. Like, I want education's important to me. I want you to graduate and then you can start your life. And so it was under that context that we started to get serious and his fears were happening and they're trying to break this up. But I, I was dead set on that I had found the girl that I was going to marry and I decided, I had decided before that I always wanted to be one of those guys that talked to the father before he proposed. But this situation was a little bit hairy in that one, that he lived in Oklahoma and two, that he, I knew that he did not want us to get married. So what, what I decided to do, I thought, well, a phone call in this situation doesn't seem like it would gives the situation or him the respect that, that this situation needs. So I, I called him and said, hey, Rory, like, this is Tosh. I'd really like to talk with you face-to-face. -face. Um, are you going to be in town? Are you going to be in Tulsa on Friday? Because I could meet you out in Tulsa on Friday. And, and he's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to come to Tulsa. Like, we're going to be coming to Utah in a few months. And we can talk then, but I, I wasn't wanting to wait for a few months. And I just said, no, if you're going to be there on Friday, let's plan on, I'll meet you for lunch. And, and, and so that's what happened. Like I found, uh, yeah, I found a friend that would do the long drive with me and we drove two days, you know, all the way across the country out to Tulsa. We got there Thursday night and woke up in the morning. I went to lunch with Rory and, and I had predetermined that a lot of times people use the phrase that they're asking the father for permission, but that I had, I had already thought about that. I wasn't really asking him for permission that I was going to, I was going to ask her to marry me no matter what he said, but that I wasn't asking for permission that I, I did ask for his blessing that I did want. And I thought it would be better for sure if he would support us and give us his blessing on the situation. And so that's, that's what I went and talked to him about. And then I told him, you know, I'm going to ask her either way. So I'm really not asking for your permission, but I would love to have your blessing. Um, and we talked for a while and he asked some really good questions. He brought up a lot of really good things. And I felt like it was a very productive hour and a half or so talk. And in the end, he did say, hey, to use your words, you know, I will give you my blessing and I, you know, I wish you luck. And I think that you know, and he gave me some advice and things. And, and then I got in my car and I drove two hours, I've got two hours, two days back home to Utah so that I, I could be back in, for school. Um, 
and, and I have no regrets on that. A lot of people thought I was crazy. People were saying, what if you dive on the drive out there? It's a four-day drive for about a two-hour talk. But I have no regrets, and I think that sometimes in life, doing something that's a little bit hardcore it is the right choice and that it you know you want to do you want to stick to what you feel is right even if it does take a little bit something drastic sometimes that's what i love about that story is the dedication you went to oklahoma for no other reason than to talk to him about about this situation and what you wanted to do your hopes and dreams and how it included him and his family and you have a great relationship with him and and uh, her mother as well and it's been a very good uh, good experience. Yeah. No, I married the right girl, and yeah, we get along great now. And I think that, again, I have no regrets. It showed him I was serious. That this wasn't just some puppy love thing, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, it's sad to bring this episode to a close, and I think we won't be rolling out another one for, for a little bit. But thank you for, for being here with us today, Tosh. And... Thank you, listeners, for, for joining us. And keep supporting us, and we'll, we'll be back soon. Keep doing what you're doing, going out there and smiling, making people's day better. Uh, just, just that little extra effort, just smile. If that's all you can do is just smile, that will change somebody's day and their outcome of their, I don't know, their whole persona. Is that the word? Go out and make yep. someone's day make better. Someone's day happy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.